What would life look like if our good intentions were inspired enough, empowered enough, and challenged enough so that all those dreams became real, tangible good in the world? On Practice Good Podcast, you will find authentic stories, challenging conversations, and real responses that will inspire, empower, and challenge your social impact journey. But this isn't all. Good business and good programs and good social enterprise are only as good as the health of their leader. And on this podcast, we will pay special attention, not only to the good that we give to the world, but to the good that we live within ourselves, our soul care. Welcome to Practice Good, a podcast for change makers. I'm your host, Shiloh Kashima, practitioner of good, pastor, and mom of two spicy Nigerian littles. Get ready as we turn your good intentions into positive change. Welcome back to Practice Good. This is Shiloh, and I cannot wait for you guys to meet our special guest today. This is Alexis Perkins. She is the founder and creative director of Chair One Fitness, and I know you guys are curious about that now that I said the name. Welcome to the podcast, Alexis. Thank you so much for having me. I really, really appreciate it. I love all your previous podcasts, so I'm really excited to be here right now. Oh my gosh, we're so excited to have you. And I am fascinated by what you do. So talk to us a little bit about Chair One Fitness and why it's unique and special. Yeah, so Chair One Fitness is my latest baby. I have a lot of business babies, but this is the new one. And you know, you always love on the new baby, right? (laughs) Yes. So um, Chair One Fitness is a chair-based dance fitness program. Basically, we're breaking the barriers of traditional fitness, making fun options available to anyone, no matter their age or ability. Um, We started off as an instructor training program where just like other formats like Les Mills, we would train people to become instructors. We considered us giving the gift of fitness to the world, right? Mm-hmm. And we've expanded now to offer our on-demand workouts so that people who are at home and don't have the ability to leave home easily, either just due to physical limitations and or COVID, right? right, um, right. We wanted them to have options that were at home and also a tool for caregivers. Basically, we just really want to help all those who have complications standing, um, sometimes people just think about seniors, right? Oh yeah, go teach it at the senior home. And I love my seniors. However, (laughs) it also caters to those who are plus size because it's an easy way for them to get started without any pain in their knees. It's also great for those who are wheelchair users, those with mobility aids, also for attention span purposes, those with developmental disabilities, um, those with amputations. We cover so many different groups with our program and I'm really, really, really excited about it. Wow. That is so cool. So how long have you guys been around? We launched two years ago, uh-huh. and since then, we have certified um, just about 700 instructors, and we're climbing wow. 42 states, um, and our goal for uh, 2021 is to quadruple our footprint. It's just crazy that wow. as we grew, we got to learn more because I personally hop on phone calls with so many people to understand their conditions to make sure that we're giving them something fun, right? Right. Um so I've been on the phone with so many people and we've been perfecting so many different things. I'm just excited to share it with the world. Um, the reason why we even got started, ironically enough, was uh, 
I've done so many things with fitness. I'm trying to think of the shortest story. <laughs> Go um, for it. So I was a fitness instructor for over 10, well, 10 years. And then while I was teaching, um, I was asked to teach at a senior home. I just did it randomly. Like, yeah, sure. I'll try it. And I did. And I ended up teaching at about seven different senior homes, which was great. And then I got spread too thin, but I didn't have any subs. I didn't have anybody who could do what I did because our dance fitness instructors didn't understand communities with different conditions Mm -hmm. and rec therapists and activities professionals didn't really know how to teach a dance fitness class. Wow. So that's kind of what put the idea in my head to create it. But what really sparked it, like I need to do this and do this now was at the time I was doing all that. I also had a local fitness TV show. There was no bragging rights, by the way, it wasn't, it wasn't beach body ABC or NBC it was the <laughs> channel. You know, when you want to find out what's happening with the school board. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, I had a 30 minute workout program and we were on air for five years. Out of those five years, we taped 40 episodes. 38 of those episodes were like high intensity dance, fitness, kick your leg up to the sky. Right. And just two of them were a chair based fitness class. And it took me a while to even notice. I noticed I was getting some messages from different people, but I didn't really notice like why. Mm -hmm. And then one day I checked it up, checked out our numbers on YouTube and those 38 videos that were for high intensity, they averaged about one to 3000 views, which that's not bad, but you know, one to 3000 views. But when you went to the chair episodes, they jumped to 500,000 views. Wow. And I thought, why the heck is this happening? So I took the time to read every single comment wow. and it blew my mind. It was my dad's 96 and I work out with him. I have a torn ACL. Thank you for allowing me to dance. I'm obese. And this was a great start for me. I have arthritis and this was great. I have lupus and my energy levels are low, but I can keep up with this. I was wow. like, what? And so that's when I decided I'm going to create a program. And uh, yeah, that's where I began. Wow. That's incredible. And literally your story that or the part of the story that really sticks out to me is this ability to look at your feedback and see where the momentum's kind of catching and then realize there's opportunity to serve people in that capacity. That's so powerful. How come you got started in, you know, you went to, was it uh, elderly homes or you went to, so how did that happen? It was so random. So I'm going to blame it on God, I guess. Um, <laughs> so I was teaching regular high intensity classes at gyms and things like that. And then uh, a friend of mine worked at a support program for those with developmental disabilities. And they happened to love the television, the seated one, because with developmental disabilities, sometimes they have the attention to have shorter attention spans. Mm-hmm. So for caregivers, when they're all seated, it just creates more structure. Okay. Mm-hmm. So they were doing it there and I went to go visit. And then somebody there was another friend of hers who worked at a senior home. And they were like, well, if you've taught active adults and if you've taught those with developmental disabilities, have you ever taught seniors? And I said, well, I haven't, but I can try. And so he said, why don't you come and do a, a demo for us? I was like, okay. I had no clue what I was going to do. So I called my grandma and I said, grandma, what songs would you want to listen to? <laughs> oh, I love it. And then I knew my dad and my mom, they always had like great music. Like I remember like we had like the record player and everything. Right. Oh. Um, and so I asked them for all the music and then I literally just created some choreography and I went for it. And 
I was so used to teaching like at the big gyms, big box gyms. When I went to that senior home, I didn't know what to expect. Right. And I was so nervous. I had so much butt sweat afterwards. (laughs) I was like, are the old people going to love me? Um, But they did. And, and as a result, I got to continue to learn from them because every day I would be presented with something different. Like when you're teaching a group of people and half of them have dementia, you're going to have some crazy things happen, right? Oh my gosh. I can only imagine. Uh, Yeah. Like I've had a lady come up and bop me on the head. I've had a lady's dentures fall out in the middle of class. I've seen so many funny things, but I love it. I really, really do. And I love them. And I just love that the sense of camaraderie that happens in that classroom. And I couldn't really tell you in the beginning why I loved it. Mm-hmm. Um, it was literally just um, probably a few months ago. It wasn't, yeah, just a few months ago. Uh, I had to fill out this application for a grant. Okay. Mm-hmm. And one of the questions was, why are you doing what you're doing? You know, mm-hmm. why do you want your comp? Like, what is your why? I, that was the, I answered every other question with ease. Mm. When I got to that question, I was stumped. So I called my partner and I said, Hey, Jessica, there's this question that I don't know the answer to. Yeah. And she's like, what is it? What will my, why? She was like, um, all right, let's talk through it. And I said, okay. And she was like, is it because you love fitness? No. Is it because you love seniors? No. And then we kept going back and forth and literally about five minutes into this of her drilling me to figure out my why. And I'm not an emotional person. <laughs> and literally, I literally just stopped. And I was like, it's, 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 it's because it's not fair. It's not fair that people have to go to a senior home and sometimes their loved ones visit and sometimes they don't. It's not fair that other people don't have fun fitness options. We get to have fun. Why can't they have fun? It's Mm. not fair that people treat people like they have disabilities and that they're not able when they are. And I was crying. And then she said, well, I guess you found your why. (laughs) (laughs) And and I was surprised that I even had that emotional response because I never really thought about it. It was just something that I did. Wow. Yeah. So after that little emotional breakthrough, I was like, oh, okay, now I see why I like it so much. (laughs) Wow. That's awesome. That's incredible. I think so oftentimes when we are trying to create change in the world or make a difference, it's, you know, it does start with a why and you don't always know how to articulate it, but something really draws you and draws your, you know, passion for that. And I always tell people when you're trying to find your passion or you're trying to find your calling or your purpose, you have to align it with what breaks your heart in the world. You know, what draws you to tears? I mean, those are your people and you combine that with your strengths, your skill set, and the opportunity in the world. Like you're going to find your niche right where you're supposed to be. Alexis, I love that. I love that. So you now predominantly, do you train instructors or how is this administered to people? Is it through videos or people show up places? How does it work? Yeah. So originally pre-COVID, we had all in-person trainings, but now we actually do them two ways. And that is live via Zoom. And it's actually a really fun training, even though it was through a screen we put so much thought into making it a great experience. Um, It's really fun. So it's a one long fun day. The other option for those who are really busy and can't commit to a one day training, we also have the complete online course where everything has been pre-recorded and they can go at their own pace. So we offer it both ways. 
That's awesome. And now are you guys structured as a 501c3? I heard you say you you applied for a grant or are you guys a for-profit? We are for-profit, but we also have our division called Chair One Fitness Gives Back. Uh So we are for-profit, but we do always try to give back to the community. So what I do personally is offer free classes. We have free classes once a month. And that's through our band app. So anybody can utilize those. I also volunteer to give two free classes led by me so that if it's at a school for those who have developmental disabilities or at a senior home, they can just book me live and I'll make sure to give out two free classes a month that way as well. And we are going to be launching in March, I believe, our scholarship opportunity because we found out that some people want to become instructors and don't have the funds. Wow. And we want to make sure that we give them the opportunity to do that. So that's a part of Chair One Fitness Gives Back. That is awesome. That is so cool. So did you develop this whole idea yourself? I know at the beginning you mentioned this is just one of your many babies. Talk to me about the creation of this idea and what other things you've created in terms of businesses. Yeah. So for this, I thought about the idea and then literally I sat down on New Year's Eve in a Starbucks and wrote down or wrote out the manual. Um, Now I have a communications degree and I also have all my personal training certs, but I'm not a doctor, right? Right. So I wrote out this entire manual and, and I was like, okay, I think it's ready, but I want to run it by a few people. So I have good friends who are doctors and they specialize in curriculum. And I sent it to all my smart friends. Right. (laughs) And I said, tell me what you think. And they all were like, it's great. I said, okay. So it gave me a little bit of confidence, but I was like, let me make sure that this information is correct. Um, Because, you know, you want that respect, you know, slap some respect on it, right? (laughs) (laughs) So a lot of courses, as you know, you can get pre-approved with different organizations so that people will take your course to get continuing education credits or continuing education units. Mm -hmm. Um. So the first ones that I submitted to were NASM and AFA. Those are national organizations for personal training and group exercise. I wholeheartedly expected to apply, get rejected, mm-hmm. ask them why I got rejected, fix it, <laughs> and then resubmit. Right. Um, what I didn't expect was to get approved on the first go. Wow. So currently, and this actually is what makes Chair One Fitness really unique because it's unlike any any of the other fitness programs, even though I love them all, mm-hmm. um, we are accredited or pre-approved course, which means people can get credits when they take our course for seven different organizations. Um, Mm. Two of them are fitness, which is NASM and AFA. Mm -hmm. Two of them are for activities professionals at senior homes. Mm -hmm. And those are the people where they take care of them all day. So they can take our course and get credits for that. We also have two that are for recreational therapist. So I was so excited to get that one. Like, woo! (laughs) Right. Like, yeah, let's talk about mad respect. And and the last one is for dementia practitioners, which that put the stamp of approval that we can cater to those with dementia and Alzheimer's. Um, So that's what I did with that. Once we got all approved and everything, that's when I decided to launch it. But as far as other stuff that I've done and continue to work on, there's so many past things. It's been such a fun journey as an entrepreneur. It's been so fun. Um, I'm going to give the quick condensed version of this. So go ahead. <laughs> started, off, started off as a college uh, kid and I was working three jobs so I could pay my tuition. It was really hard. And then I left there. Well, when I graduated, I started working at the news station. 
Um, and I was really excited about that because it was communications. And I ended up also becoming a project manager for an advertising agency. So many moving parts during that time is when I became a fitness instructor. And when you think about it, and I was teaching Zumba and I love Zumba so much. Um, when you think about being a Zumba instructor, you're not really thinking outside the box. I thought I'm going to work at the YMCA, make my $16 a class. And it's my little hobby, right? It keeps me in shape. That's it. Uh Okay. Little did I know that via (laughs) YouTube and and God's divine power that I would be asked to teach master classes all over the world. So I ended up teaching Zumba master classes in Tokyo, Serbia, Sweden, Italy, um, France, all these different places. So it was the whirlwind. And that's when I decided to take fitness full time. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And so after that, I ended up, like I said, co-producing the 30 minute workout show, which was bomb. And then I also ended up becoming the owner of Body by Alexa's dance fitness studio. And that was like crazy to have a brick and mortar because I fell into that. Literally, I was teaching there. The owners told me that they were leaving. And I said, so what happens to the building? And they said, well, it goes back to the property owner. And I said, I'll take it. And they said, what? (laughs) They, I was just that, that's exactly how it happened. I said, I'll do wow. it. And then I just became a studio owner randomly. Wow. Uh, and then lastly, uh, within fitness, I was the coordinator of the Love Fest. It lasted for seven years here. And it was the largest dance fitness event in this area. We brought together over 120 instructors from all over the continental US. And we had over... The first year we had a thousand people attend and the last year we had 2000 people attend. So that was, and every fitness instructor felt like a rock star at that event. Wow. It was so cool. We had live music bands. I've, I just turned fitness into a concert. That's all. <laughs> wow. I know I was looking at some of your social media posts and I'm like, she has been on some pretty big stages. This is crazy. <laughs> that is awesome. That is so, yeah. so cool. So maybe I need your help to kind of give me in one sentence what I do. I don't really know. <laughs> I try <laughs> you, a bunch of stuff and I try to make a difference, you know? You definitely are a serial entrepreneur, but I think everything you do is about people. It's about social impact, which is why you're here with us. And I love it. I love it. I was even, I'll be honest, I was I was looking through, uh, stalking you a little bit on some of your social media and I saw that you've also kind of co-authored a book, Kinks yeah. to Curls. Talk to me yeah. about that. That's exciting. Yeah. So, um, I usually wear extent. Well, okay. I'm black for those who don't know. Um, <laughs> I you're normally wear like extensions or what we call protective styling. You know, you get your crochets, you get your wigs, you get your this. And while I was wearing all these protective styles, my hair was growing underneath, but sometimes when you have thicker hair, it's hard to tame it. Yeah. So me and my friends figured out like, if I use this and if I use that product and I use this product, my curls will be beautiful. So I said, well, let's write a book. And she said, what? I said, I was like, let's just write it. Let's just write about what works for us and share it with others because our hair was looking amazing and it smelled good. And even my skin got clearer because I was using more natural products. So oils and stuff weren't getting on my face from sweating, you know? Oh yeah. And so, yeah. So randomly um, wrote a book and it was called kinks to curls and it was just fun to do something for those who kind of struggle. And I know the people who I actually love to target with that was, and I hope this isn't too forward. So please stop me if it is. Go ahead. I love to target white mothers of mixed children. Oh, well, you're talking to one right now. So yeah. go because, ahead, honey. 
Well, yeah, because it would be like, you don't know what you don't know. Right. Exactly. We, like, and I would see some of the most cutest kids and their hair would be dry. I'm telling you. And I'm like, the mom is, doesn't know. She doesn't know. It, and, is, um, <laughs> it is our, yes, it is the Achilles heel of every white mother with biracial children or black children, which happens to, I struggle with my daughter's hair. So that is the biggest reason. It was selfish. That's why I brought this up. It was totally selfish. <laughs> But yeah, so, but there's so many YouTube tutorials now that are of great help. I know I watch YouTube tutorials all the time to learn the littlest things, but, but yeah, I definitely didn't want to help in that manner. And I also wanted to kind of, and it's already happening. So I'm very thankful was to kind of change the standard of beauty. Mm, uh, Because when, when I was younger, I remember I was in sixth grade when I begged my mom for a relaxer. Mm, All you ever wanted was your hair to be straight. Even at some HBCUs, if you were in the business program, you had to straighten your hair if you were black. Wow. And I thought, why can't our natural hair be considered beautiful? Why right. not? Right. And I'll tell you, my my son, he has very curly hair. Like mm. his hair is not kinky, it's curly. Yeah. And he would say to me, yeah, mom, Oh yeah. All the girls like me at school. They always talk about my good hair. And I stopped immediately. I'm like, stop saying that. Yeah. I was like, your hair is not good. Your hair is curly. Right. And I was like, it's curly. Don't call your hair good. Call it curly. Mm-hmm. And I was like, by saying that it's good, it's an indicator that kinky hair is bad and it's right. not. And so I did want to change that standard. Um, and I hate it when people say good hair. I'm like, no, kinky right. hair is too. And then I'm like, while we're talking about it, don't be mad that somebody with kinky hair could do about a hundred more hairstyles than you can. <laughs> oh, it is so true. I'm like <laughs> all of my friends that have kinky hair. I I'm like, I don't, I don't want to say I'm jealous, but I kind of am. Like I do the same mom bun every single day. I can <laughs> like straighten my hair. My hair is wavy, but like, I just, there's just no options. And I, I totally hear you on that. You know, one of the reasons why I'm super interested is, you know, my my daughter's six and she, you know, what from the time she was three um, has, you know, she would start pulling her hair and trying to make it straight. And yeah. um, as a mom who, you know, for me, I think she's just stunning and gorgeous and beautiful and every part of her I love, I was devastated like that I that my, my daughter was somehow seeing herself as less desirable, you know, and it was quite frustrating. Even, you know, we would go to target and there would be one Brown doll and, you know, and it was, and it might still not look like her, you know, there was nothing that represented her. And it was at the point where she wouldn't even want the Brown doll. She would go for the blonde hair, blue eyed doll. And it devastated me because she is, she, she's beautiful inside and out. And she needs to see herself reflected in media and toys and hairstyles and all those things. So I always think that's fascinating. And especially when, you know, people use their knowledge, their confidence, their skill set to make statements and celebrate their heritage and their beauty, because it gives other little girls and other little children the opportunity to see something different. And it's not just about girls. It's about little boys seeing beauty yeah. too, you know? Yeah. No, my son, he's 14 now. And he, <laughs> he was so upset because all the girls he liked were in love with the guys from BTS. Ugh. So he was like, mom, 
I mean, their hair is straight and they're Asian. And did it, I'm like, Noah, you're fine. You know, it's, <laughs> it's funny how, you know, even, especially with like pop culture, you have pop culture and then you have what you see like at home. And it's pretty hard when your kids are looking at these other people and you don't like it when your kid feels like they're not good enough. And I'll tell you, we don't like it when anybody feels like they're not good enough. Right. Right. Um, so it is nice to contribute to those, to those changes. And yeah. And I, and I would love to like fast forward it because I learned slowly, um, just to give you a quick thing. I resonate with you and your daughter because I'm more like brown and my mom is, uh, she's lighter than me. Okay. Uh Uh Um, I don't know all the proper terms. I've gotten so much backlash over using the wrong term. So a fairer complexion, Mm -hmm. um, whatever the right term is. But when I was younger, I used to like in the summertime, avoid the sun. I was like, I don't want to get darker. I don't want to get darker. I don't want to get darker because my mom was light and that's what was deemed as beautiful. And I did not want to get dark. It wasn't until I was in my twenties when I went to Mexico and I got chocolate Wow! and I loved it. I was like, what? This looks good. (laughs) (laughs) And so so now it's like, I can't wait for summertime, but uh, daughter do look at their parents first. So, so I just wanted to say, I understand. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, um, my daughter, I feel like has finally, and I guess she's still, she's only, she's only six, you know, but she started to, I can see embrace who she is. So she really loves to do her hair braided. She loves her curls now. I mean, she used to, people would compliment her on her curls all day long and she would, she just didn't like her curls. And now I'll hear her say little comments like, yeah, they like my curls. And then she'll walk away and I'm like, yes, we're getting somewhere. (laughs) That's amazing. I love that. I know. I'm like, start them, start them young. So, um, but yeah, that's so good. And I think, you know, creating positive positive change in the world is about all of these things. It's about seeing a need and meeting it. And I love that you've been doing that. Um, Talk to me a little bit about your personal journey, just with being a woman and being a leader and an entrepreneur and being a woman of color in those spaces. What kind of journey have you had getting to this place you're in? Yeah, well, it's, it's definitely been a journey. I don't know. uh, Some stuff is just God given. Like, I can't tell you where my desire or my ambitiousness came from. Um, but I was like the first person in my family to graduate from college and there was a lot of first, so I didn't really have a lot of examples. And I would say the struggle with not having examples who've done it before you is that you don't know what to do. Right. Yeah. Um, so when they say that, you know, being black, you're one step behind, I, I, I agree to a certain level but I still believe you can overcome it. I didn't know about applying for like college scholarships or they would tell me to do it, but I didn't really know what to say, where to start. Yeah. Um, So I was like, okay, I'm just going to figure it out. I'm just going to enroll. And, and I did that. And so upon graduation and things, I just always tried to find a way that what was going to hold me back would be something more of like a slingshot. Like it holds me back for now until I release it. And it's something that can catapult me forward. I know that my father had said I had two strikes against me. I was black and I was a woman, but I didn't want to consider it a strike. I wanted to consider it. How can I use this to my benefit? Wow. Um, 
So even now it's like, okay, well, wait a minute. They give women owned businesses and black owned businesses way more free grant money than what they do any other group. Let me take advantage of that. Even right now with, um, with what was it? It was, it was last year and I was a little bit annoyed by it, but because of this whole inclusivity movement, Mm -hmm. it was, everybody was pro pro black, pro black, pro black, almost, it was almost overkill. I'm just going to say it as a black person. They had the bachelor who went from white to black. The bachelorette went from black to white. They had the dove commercial where they were like, (laughs) we support black men. Blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, okay, I get it. If you notice all the performers are now black. Okay, whatever. So I said, okay, well, if everybody's doing this whole love on black people thing, let me go ahead and play my black card and use it. So if there's a company that has traditionally been more white, if I just ask them for an interview, or if I just ask them for an opportunity, they might actually be more prone to give it to me because they need some diversity. Yeah. So what somebody would see as a hit, I saw as an opportunity. Wow. Um, And I tried to, you know, just kind of use that to my benefit. I'm like, there, there hasn't been a better time than right now to be a black woman in business. Wow. Um, some people will sit back and say, oh yeah, I get paid less. I get paid this, or I don't have the opportunities. And I, and I'm not, I'm not trying to trivialize any hardships because I know it can be hard, but I also know if you switch your mindset to finding the opportunity in the problem, Mm -hmm. then you might get somewhere that happened to us. Even with COVID, Mm. everybody was like, oh, Alexis, you know, numbers are going to be down because of COVID. And I said, no. And they were like, well, Alexis, you know, you might be having less sales. It might be because of COVID. I said, absolutely not. I will not blame anything on COVID. Wow. No. And last year, we actually generated more sales than any other year during COVID. Wow. And I said, okay, so we're going digital. Now, it wasn't an easy pivot, by the way. Yeah. It was, I had about 12 different trainings lined up across the continental US at the beginning of the year. And I was very excited about it. And it And then all of a sudden, of course, COVID happened in March is when it started to shut down everything. And I remember it was a Monday where I was actively teaching in senior homes, but they all called me and said, the government shut us down. You're not allowed in the building. I said, okay. So then slowly one by one, I got calls from the places where we were supposed to have trainings Mm -hmm. and they were like, oh, our facility isn't allowing anybody in, or we're concerned about COVID. Next thing you know, all those trainings that I had prepared were now uh, canceled. (laughs) Wow. And so I said, okay. So then I was like, let me, I'm still going to go do some work. Let me go to Starbucks and do some work. I went to Starbucks and (laughs) they said drive through only. I said, what, what do you mean? (laughs) I can't come in the building. So then, then it started to get to me. Okay. I was like, really what's going on here? Mm -hmm. So, and then it was like, I woke up the next day, not knowing, okay, I don't have any work to do because everything's closed. Yeah. And I can't even go to Starbucks. This sucks. <laughs> and, um, and then I was like, you know what, let me go get some water. I went, it was like six 30 or seven in the morning. I went to my mini fridge to go get some water. And there's only two things in my mini fridge, water and wine. Mm-hmm. And that morning with nothing to do, I chose the wine. <laughs> and, and literally I had a, two glasses, fell asleep, woke up two more glasses, fell asleep. I wasted that entire day. Wow. By the next day, I said, we're going digital and we're going digital now. All right. I had my little pity party. We're going digital now. And mm-hmm. me and I got together with my partner, Jessica, 
And we literally mapped out how do you change an in-person training to digital and what are what platform are we going to use? How are we going to make it work? How are we going to market? What are we going to do? And it took us a few weeks to get it together. And then we we launched it and we sold out of all of our uh, trainings. There was like, I think, eight of them that had occurred after COVID. And so so I could have I could have said oh no, I just need to suck it up because it's COVID. But I was really adamant about making something work. Yeah, And going digital was the way to go. Wow. That is powerful. It's funny. It reminds me of, I mean, I'm on the, in this leadership group and I had a bad day the other day and my life coach was like, okay, Shiloh, we're going to give you two minutes. The clock starts now. Here's your bucket and let it loose. And after two minutes, we're going to move on. And I was like, oh, well, I'm done now. (laughs) (laughs) Like, let's just go. And I think that's so powerful. I love that you talk about like just creating opportunities uh, out of obstacles. I even remember years ago, I heard this story about, I don't know if you've ever heard of lifechurch.tv. They're like one of the fastest growing churches in the US. And they basically, when I heard how they started, they're an all online church. And how they started was um, their pastor, he had to do a church service, but his wife went into labor and there was no one to fill in. And he had like two or three church services and he didn't know what to do. And he's like, we're going virtual. And this was before everybody was going virtual. I mean, this was years before And um, all of a sudden they realized they could reach more people and they changed their entire model of church and they became the fastest growing church in the U S. And so it was out of obstacles that were birthed these incredible opportunities. And I think you're so right. Like we just have to have that mindset. We have to have some grit. We have to work hard. We, we have to have our pity party for two minutes and then get back up and go, what do we do about it? I love that. Yeah. And I think it does come with a lot of, um, hard work. I know sometimes yeah. when, when I'm talking, you know, I can make you sound like it was easy because I'm all happy about it now. But <laughs> I will say that it does require an abundance of hard work. And I believe that if people can get themselves like mentally prepped for the work, then they'll be good to go. Um, but I've seen something in a lot of people, and this is for like entrepreneurs or people in business and what I see happen all the time. And I always compare it to when I decided I was going to train for a uh, bodybuilding bikini competition. Mm -hmm. I, uh, at the time, if I was working out of the gym, I was like, if I was doing weight training, if I did the leg press, I might have one forty-five plate on each side. And if I really felt strong, I'd have two plates on each side. That's four 45 pounders. And that was good. That was, that was a leg day. Right. Mm -hmm. And you couldn't tell me nothing. I knew I had, I knew I had a good workout. And then when I decided to train for competition, my lovely trainer said, we're going to put three plates on today on each side. I said, what? And she was like, you can lift it. I said, no, 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 no. I've never (laughs) lifted that, that now that's too much. And she said, you're going to do it. And I said, she, and she had two spotters and I lifted it and I'll never forget the euphoric feeling. It was very euphoric, like disbelief. Like it was like, pardon my raunchiness. It was as euphoric after your very first orgasm. I was like, <laughs> I could not believe I lifted that, you know, wow. you know, how, like your mind is trying to catch up with what just happened. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And so then after a couple more weeks, she put me up to four plates each 
And I lifted that too. And I was mind blown. And I was like, wait a minute, you mean to tell me that prior to training, I really thought I was doing the most with two plates on each side. And now I can do double that. Wow. And I think that's the mindset of a lot of entrepreneurs and business people. We think we're doing the most and we're not. And you have to kind of crack yourself open to know I can do more. And I believe that's one of the hardest things to do. It's a huge challenge because most people don't know that they're not doing enough. They Mm -hmm. think they are. They think they're lifting the most. And I'm looking at them like, now, you know, you can put my weight on that. (laughs) Wow. Um, And so I feel like if people were to maybe check themselves or to keep that in mind that you are actually capable of more than what you're doing. And that's so hard to teach, you know? Yeah. That's really, really powerful. I'm, I'm just thinking about so many things where that, that perspective would have been helpful for me. Um, I love that. And I think it's true of every entrepreneur, every change leader, every nonprofit leader, every advocate, whatever you're doing, like there is capacity for more. And so oftentimes we think I've got my plate full and I, you know, if I have anything else, I'll just break. And the reality is like, you are flexible, you are resilient, you will make it go ahead and, you know, spread your plate, make your plate bigger. You've got this, you know, and I think that's how we solve problems in the world. That's how we create positive impact. That's how we help people do exercises in chairs and help people believe in their hair and the beauty of their ethnicity. You know, like those, that's the mindset you have to have in order to help our world solve our biggest problems. We have to turn them into opportunities. Alexis, it has been so good to hang out with you today. (laughs) <laughs> yes. Thank you. This has been awesome. You are just dope as oh just a, a host and questions and everything else like that. And by the way, your voice is so soothing. I feel like I've been on a call with my therapist. It's oh great. My gosh. Oh, that's so <laughs> awesome. Thank you so much. Oh my gosh. And Alexis, tell everyone if they want to get connected with you and what you're doing, what is the best way for them to find out more? Um, the best uh, thing I'm on um, Instagram and I'm, I have my personal account and I also have chair one fitness and I always respond to my messages. So my personal is at I am King Alexis spelled out just like that. I A M K I N G A L E X I S. And for all things chair one fitness, that is at chair one fitness. So there's like sitting down in a chair, O N E and fitness. So those are the two faces. And of course, if somebody has a direct question, then that's just Alexis, A-L-E-X-I-S, at chair1fitness.com. And if anybody has any questions about Chair One Fitness, or even if somebody's just like a new entrepreneur and is having troubles jumping any hurdles that are in their way, I'm definitely willing to chat out their problems and try to figure out ways that they can find solutions. I always love taking all the things I've learned and giving that information to somebody else. Alexis, you're incredible. I could literally talk to you all day long. I feel like we were meant to be friends and I am so honored that you spent this time with us today. Thank you so much. Thank you. How inspiring, right? Someone who just goes out there, has a vision and gets it done. And not only that, Alexis is incredibly generous. I mean, she's just offering you guys right there. Hey, give me a call. Hey, write me. Hey, hit me up on Instagram. I want to help you. Who does that? That is so awesome. I had so much fun with you guys today. Remember, we can use all of the likes, all of the subscribes, all of the downloads, all of the stars. 
You can also get a hold of me at hello at practicegoodwithshiloh.com. And I would love to chat with you. If you have ideas, if you have topics that you would love for me to tackle with you, I would absolutely love that. Also, you can head over to our Facebook group, which is really active. It's Practice Good or Practice Good with Shiloh. Both of those will work for you. And we cannot wait to talk to you again next week. Thank you.